Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Danoff, and welcome to another edition of What's Next Now, the podcast where people share their leadership journeys in business and life, calling out the impact they've made on others. Garrett Gee, two-star Major General from DISA and the U.S. Army Signal Corps and transitioning military veteran, welcome to What's Next Now. It's really a pleasure and my honor to have you on the show here today, Garrett. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Gary. Pleased to be here. I want to give the listeners today a bit more context in comparison to the commercial or civilian world, what it really means to be a major general or a two-star general in the Army or any of the armed services. So just for context for folks who may not appreciate the career accomplishment that Garrett has has made, this is the equivalent to being the CEO, the COO, or the CFO of a 10,000 to 20,000 person-sized company and likely directing a multi-billion dollar, that's with a B, budget in many cases. And that's exactly what you did, Garrett, in your last role as assistant to the director for DISA, managing a $13 billion budget in the cybersecurity portfolio, no small budget, and overseeing a 19,000-person combined military and civilian contract workforce. So... What's really super intriguing to me is that your path to get there, to get to that kind of end goal, was anything but straight line in terms of your your military career. And some of the research I did in our prior conversation, I learned some really exciting things that aren't obvious to everybody. And I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about the beginning, if you will, and take us from the time when you were at a data platform company and insurance services and when you were actually held local office in the state of California, give us some of that background and connect it to the empathy that you built as a leader in the military. Well, happy to do so, Gary. And as you were talking, I was reflecting on that idea of a path. And most senior leaders that I know didn't have a straightforward path to where Mm. they got to, meaning that uh, their paths were oftentimes anything but a straight line. And that probably helped to contribute to why they were such good leaders, because they had some breadth of experiences to be able to contribute at those senior levels. Mm. And in my case, you know, I started off um, in the Army Reserve, working at an insurance industry type company in San Francisco in the financial district, uh, while maintaining my, you know, reserve duty responsibilities in the Army Reserve. And, you know, in my time, we were expected to never go to war. We would never get mobilized in the reserves. That was the Cold War in the 1980s. Right. Um, but that said, you know, it's what we did to, to serve our country any way that we could. So in my case, it was in the Army Reserve initially. Got it. And, um, you know, at some point <laughs> during my Army Reserve career, we ended up you know, mobilizing and going to war in places Mm -hmm. like Iraq and Afghanistan and getting mobilized and deployed just like many others in in my situation. But along that path, uh, I had a career in the insurance industry as an an executive in the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. I did run for local elected office, for a nonpartisan office, and was elected Mm -hmm. to the local community college board of trustees. I served on that for 16 years and a variety of other things in our community in the Fremont, uh, California community. Mm. But 
at some point, <laughs> you know, the army was pulling pretty hard. And in 2014, the last time I got mobilized and deployed, I was the, the commander of the 335th Signal Command that had responsibility for communications across Southwest Asia mm. for the military. Primarily Army, but it was really a joint environment. And um, that year, we ended up going back into Iraq. We had been out of Iraq since 2011. And so my responsibility as a leader was to oversee the buildup of a military network in Iraq once again. And uh, somehow I got noticed. And instead of going back to California, after my tour in the Middle East, I came to the Pentagon. Spent four years there uh, in the Army headquarters in the CIO G6 shop. And then they moved on to to DISA from where I retired. Uh, I, mean, I appreciate your ability to take your career and abbreviate it in, in, in such short form there because you, I'm sure you could talk for 45 minutes on each, on each piece or step there. Who knows? Maybe we'll do more shows on that. But I, I want to come back to a comment that you made there um, where you said, um, I think when you were developing the communications for the theater in Iraq and that somehow you got noticed. Getting noticed is a big deal for a lot of people in the service of the duty that they're performing in the military or in, in a commercial world. So how do you think it is that you got noticed? Like, what was your technique for doing that? Well, I didn't plan to get noticed, Gary. <laughs> but as you may recall, back in 2014, when ISIS was out there very publicly in social media with black flags. Oh, yeah. Running rampant around uh, Iraq and Syria. Unabated. And so, Horrible. So our job as the, the forward force was to get after that. And so all eyes were on us. Mm. And, you know, the Pentagon was on, on us. I mean, the, the White House was obviously looking very close. So anything we did had just you know, a heightened sense of, of visibility. And you have one chance to, to get things right. Mm, God, especially in that <laughs> and, environment. And, and so we prepare, you know, all our careers for those moments when you have one chance to get it right. Yeah. And, and that's what we had to do as a team. And, mm. and we did get after ISIS. And as you may recall, within some months, you stop seeing those black flags on vehicles getting, you know, shown around mm. the countryside because we were getting after it. In order to prosecute that war on ISIS, we had to have good communications to be able right. to do that. Mm -hmm. So across this so every little piece had that increased level of importance. The logistics piece was important. The aviation right. support was important. And of course, that communication to be able to give commanders the ability to command and control on the battlefield. Yeah, that that's amazing. I guess, you know, th the way to get noticed is not try to get noticed, just get down, get after it, do your job. And uh, uh, that's usually when things, good things come to people anyways, is when you're uh, just keeping your head down and doing what you got to do. I've, I've found that in my career. I'd, I'd like to um, move the conversation into another area that, is very relevant today, and um, it's personal to you. I learned in in our early conversation about your mother, and she was prominently featured in your retirement ceremony with with great reason. She's an amazingly strong woman and leader in ways that many will never experience. 
she survived and really even thrived um, a U.S. government Japanese citizen internment camp after World War II. And that's amazing in and of itself, uh, along with the fact that that you moved into the military as well and have served our country with such honor. And, and I thank you for that. But using your mother as a model of bravery and perseverance, I want to ask you about the positive impact that you've seen women in leadership roles in the Army and in the military at large. Yeah, Gary, you just kind of threw a whole lot in there all at once, I'll say. But. <laughs> I did. Sorry about that. I'm really excited on this topic. <laughs> so so, there's, so there's, a, there's a couple of things I'd like to maybe respond, one of which is in order to observe strength, it doesn't necessarily mean someone with a lot of muscles and a lot of physical strength, right? Right. When I say strength in the broader context, my mother was and is a very strong woman. Yet, at maybe four foot eleven, maybe mm. five feet, pushing it, <laughs> eighty-seven years old, you would never see that as the image of strength until you get to know someone, mm-hmm. until you get to know what they've been through and what they've been able to live through and come out of on the other side. And as you mentioned, my mom's case. You know, her family during World War II was incarcerated in mm. an determined camp in the Arizona desert at a place called Gila. And an experience like that can change the trajectory of your life mm. in any direction it wants to go, right? It could be bad or it could be good. Mm. You can learn from that and use that as a source of strength to say, hey, you know, they're not going to get me down. Mm-hmm. Right. I will persevere. I will succeed. Right. And in my mom's case, she had four brothers. Her sister was born in the camp mm-hmm. and her four brothers joined the military eventually sometime after the camp. And I know that for them, that helped to help them get past that mm-hmm. and get on with their lives. And I believe that the military changes people's lives for the good when you allow it to. And in this case, it did. Mm. In my mom's case, you know, she didn't join the military, but, you know, she did, you know, go to college and she did study and, and she had, you know, charted a path off for her life to be able to move on. Uh, she mentioned that my dad got married, had a family, and I was one of three kids. And for me, when I reflect on how maybe challenging life can be at times, you name it, job, career, military, raising a family. Right, and I look back at what my mom has been through. And, hmm. Oh my goodness, my life's easy. <laughs> right, I have nothing to complain about. Right, and and therein lies a source of strength for me to be able to know that if my mom can do what she had to do to to move on, then I have nothing to complain about. Be <laughs> thankful for a lot. Mm. A so great attitude. That, you know, on the women in leadership roles in prominent leadership roles. And I know that we recently had some wonderful announcements of strong females at the four-star level in all the services, well, Army, Navy, Air Force at this time. And I think back to the decision that Ash Carter made some years ago to, for the U.S. military, allow women in combat roles. Mm-hmm. And the, the blinding flash of the obvious to me was they were already in combat and already 
carry the load. And opening up to the combat roles, you know, was something I should have done, done a long time ago. And I had the opportunity to ask Secretary Carter why he, why he made that decision. And his answer was simply, <laughs> why would we want to eliminate 50% of the available talent in the workforce <laughs> from these roles? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so in the military, it's a meritocracy. You know, mm-hmm. Best person for the job, and like any you know team captain picking your team, you don't care what they look like. All you care about is if they can perform. You want the mm-hmm. best athlete on your team, right? And so that may mean that a good friend of yours, yours may not make the team because you want your team to win. Yeah, and so this opportunity that has more recently, you know, been maybe exercised. I'm not sure what the right word is um, where we've always had very talented individuals. Now it's great to see that they're able to more prominently serve in the army, air force, the Navy at, at the most senior levels. So I think it's great. When you said a moment ago that in your conversation with Ash Carter, you realized that kind of what dawned on you was that they were already carrying the load. What do you mean by that? Was that your observation? Yeah. I mean, we already rely on each other in the military as a team to be able to accomplish the mission. Right. And there were already females in leadership roles doing great work. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we, make this distinction of, well, that's a combat role and that's mm-hmm. a combat support role. And that's a combat service support role. That's within the army's vernacular, right? The combat arms roles are the infantry and the armor, et cetera. The combat support roles are, you know, like quartermaster or supply logistics, that kind of stuff. Right. 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 But on the battlefield, you know, <laughs> it, hmm. you're all there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Every, the enemy doesn't say, well, you're, you know, you're common arms or you're not camera. You know, yeah. Everyone's fair game for the enemy, right? Right. right. And, and you can't shoot a gun without bullets. Someone had to deliver the bullets, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got you. That's great that um, we are progressing as a military and as a society where we can recognize women and and all citizens for their for their leadership roles and their partner roles and in you know getting the whole fighting force whole and most effective so i'm also really happy to see that and happy about some of the recent announcements on leadership you know i was reading up a little bit about some of the things that you said in the article with you and one of your colleagues who's also retiring i think it was lieutenant general trager or major general trager hager yeah hager Hager. excuse me yeah and and you were talking about the days when you were both in ROTC, and I read when you were talking to a group of ROTC cadets, and I think I'm quoting this correct, um, with an ellipse in front of it, you're giving some advice, and you said one thing that sounds kind of harsh is that, I hope you have challenges ahead of you that are really tough that you have to get through, because when you do get through those challenges, you will be better off on the other side. You will be more resilient. You will grow, you will learn, and you will lead better. I don't want to wish anyone an easy path. I wish for them to have adversity. I wish for them to sometimes have sleepless nights trying to figure out things 
because we need strong leaders, resilient leaders in the military. So when the time comes, they're ready for the challenge. Now that that quote or paraphrasing of that quote resonates so strongly with me for my core values and, and probably for many other people listening today. But for a lot of people, that's a different approach. That's might come across as, you know, um, too strict or too pushy or too demanding or putting me in a box or whatever labels people might might choose to put on it. Maybe not. But my question is this, do you think we need even more of this piece of our voice as leaders in all of society? Or let's say you're, you're transitioning now from the military into the civilian sector to help rising leaders find their focus and build strength. I think so. And I tell the same thing to graduating high school and college kids, not going in the military. We need good leaders and professionals in both the public and private sector. We need it in our communities, our state and local governments. Mm. If we want to have good, safe communities, Mm -hmm. we need good leaders in those areas as well. And so the idea of, you know, building resiliency is not only for military and only when Mm -hmm. you're in a combat situation, but being able to think through difficult problem sets when there's a lot of pressure, for example, and being able to have the confidence that you will find a solution, that you will find a way. And so I think a lot of people would say, maybe at first that sounds harsh, but they may be the same individuals that might say, well, when I was going through, it was hard. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, then, and then maybe upon reflection, realize that, well, that hard condition that I had to go through when I had to go through right. made me a better leader, a better professional later on, right? And yeah. So I got to where I'm at based upon the path that I took. My path wasn't always easy. My right. intent in telling them that up front is that so when it does happen, mm-hmm. so that when they do get confronted with a difficult problem, so a challenge or something that's really pressing, that they remember that and say, I'm up for it. Let's mm-hmm. get through this and approach it with determination versus apprehension. It reminds me of um, a recent piece of my own career path journey in the last five years where I was in a role where I really didn't know much of what was what I was supposed to do. It was pretty terrifying, actually, now that I think about it. And there was a lot of time that I spent in that job that was not fun at all at the time. But the number of instances since then when I've drawn upon that experience and use that stomach gnawing sleepless nights time to get through things in my current role at Google is, is you know, it's, I can count it on more than two hands. So it's really true that that sort of tenacity and perseverance and that mindset is, is crucial inside and outside the military for sure. Oh, I agree. Hey, everybody. Short pause here. Thanks for listening today. I wanted to give you less than a minute of information on my coaching and advising practice. As an executive advisor and coach, I serve founders, entrepreneurs, executives, and all of those around them on the teams that they work with. I love working with people in leadership and contributor roles in the organization, regardless of title. 
What matters most is the curiosity that clients have to overcome obstacles, create new paths for themselves and their organizations, and importantly, to do so while employing a mix of humor, determination, and a desire to create work that they and others love. If you are looking to change, achieve, or lead an initiative and feel like you would benefit by coaching with me, then please let me know and I'll schedule up to 60 minutes of listening time with you where I can hear and learn about the challenges and opportunities that you perceive you have in front of you that you would like to accelerate. There'll be no charge for this first session, and then we can determine if coaching with me is good for you. Thanks a lot. To be able to, with confidence, you know, drive through a difficult situation makes a difference for the team, for those that have to follow that leader. A, a, a similar, simple example <laughs> that maybe yeah. many can relate to that have kids is the first kid you have might be a terrifying experience. <laughs> you know, and the baby cries and you don't know what to do, right? By the time you have your third or fourth kid, you, you know, you recognize that's a hunger cry, that's an angry cry, that's a wet diaper cry, right? So, right. So, so, yeah. so anyway, I'm oversimplifying that, but uh, many things are very terrifying the first time around. You might as right. well get that out of the way while you're younger if you can. Yeah. That, that is so true. And by the time that second or third or fourth kid comes around, you start to ignore the crying, actually, you know, <laughs> let them figure it out or they'll go to sleep on their own. And I'm not getting up for every time they cry. But, you know, on, on the topic of leadership, there's so much being said today. There's so much noise in the environment around what people need from their leaders. You know, we've got the great resignation, the great contemplation, people trying to figure out between going into the office, working hybrid. What do you think? people should expect from their leaders? Like, what's the minimum bar that, and I, let's just say in the civilian environment, given your military and civilian background, what's the minimum bar that leaders today kind of owe their people? Well, that's a great question. And it, and it almost, you know, might vary based upon culture of the organization or the industry that you're in mm -hmm. or an organization to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. and, and what we're talking about is, you know, ensuring that those that follow the workforce have what they need to be able to succeed in their jobs and therefore make the organization succeed. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes it means maybe a leader is not micromanaging, right? Mm -hmm. It may mean you're not in their business or it might mean that you provide a lot of guidance, direction and motivation Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the, you know, the leadership piece is always going to be situational. But with that said, uh, it's kind of a framing for this response. I, as a leader, have what I believe are important values that I have as a leader that are important to me. Mm -hmm. And I may wish mm -hmm. that upon someone that I work for, but I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. right? So, but there's some basic things that I believe that are you know, important for me personally, one of which is actually care for the people that you have under your responsibility as a leader. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could see me. It's like, I'm giving you the double thumbs up, double <laughs> peace sign on that one. Yeah. It's removing those barriers so that they can be successful in their jobs. It's about coaching and mentoring them and allowing them to be able to maximize their abilities to, to do the job. That's what leaders do uh, yeah. in my mind. 
Right. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of management piece well where you're you know ensuring that folks have the things they need to do, the things they the resources they need, et cetera. But really just, you know, do you have trust? Is there an environment or a culture of trust in your organization mm-hmm. that when something comes wrong, goes wrong, they can come to you and say, Hey, something bad happened. Do they believe what you're gonna what you say? You say we're gonna do this. Uh, do they believe you or not? Or do they, you know, roll their eyes? Not another empty promise. Um, right. So, so there's a lot of little things like that. But really, to me, it's you have to get to a point where you actually care about the workforce. Yeah. To me. So if you do, then a lot of things kind of come into place. Really. Right. If you care about your workforce being successful, care about them having the tools they need, care about them being healthy and being able to you know, rise to the challenge when needed. You know, when you start looking after the people as people, a lot of things in my mind start to fall into place. And you were able to do that inside of an institution with lots of kind of boundaries, procedures, where it might have been hard to actually pull that off sometimes just because of process and rules and protocol. But you did it nonetheless. And I have found that when you get right down to it, you know, leadership is about conveying caring and sometimes really just telling somebody that you care about the outcome for them. You know, I, I coach people, I coach other leaders on that all the time. Literally just saying it, it, it has a huge impact. Have you, have you found that? Have you tried that? Have you used that? Yeah, absolutely. I think on the natural, we want our bosses, our leaders to be successful. Right. We want that because if they're successful, then then, then that means that maybe I'm part of that success as well. Right. And, and a lot of other things that go along with that. But I may never, looking up at the top organization, may never even speak to you know, the CEO of the company. But if I know in my heart that the CEO really cares about the workforce and that the decisions that that leader makes are informed by the needs of the workforce, and I'm likely to be a lot more loyal, hardworking, and you know, do what I need to do to help the organization succeed. Um, there's a lot of other factors, obviously, but you know, at the essence, if I know my boss cares about me and my welfare, that's important, right? Yeah. And I may never have to be able, I may never even speak to that that senior person, but if I know, based upon you know, a history of actions, right? Then you know, I will likely, you know, feel confident that my best interest is thought through when tough decisions are made. Yeah. Yeah. That there'll be a chance and there's good opportunity. And yeah, just the fact to know that that person cares about the workforce and cares about people. And and look, we can all read that instantaneously. I don't even think it has to get to the, the front part of our brain. It's all in the back limbic, you know, animal part of our brain. We, we can see that right away. Um, and it's so powerful when leaders do it. And, and conversely, it's, it's so um, damning when they don't. It's a lost opportunity. Well, hey, Garrett, you know what? We're coming up on time here. And now it's one of the, the fun parts of the show where I get to ask you, Garrett, what's next now for you? <laughs> well, you know, your, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I love it when that works out. <laughs> you know, for the past, you know, three months or so, I've been kind of on a holiday. <laughs> uh, nice. Seeing my daughter get married and 
you know, taking some time off with, you know, my wife and doing a little bit of traveling. We got to Scotland and London this past couple of weeks. And, cool. Uh, and so uh, on Monday, I, I started a job at uh, General Dynamics Information Technology, GDI. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. So I look forward to this next chapter, you know, in my life where there have been a number of transitions that we all make in our lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, this will be, you know, a big one for me. I am really looking forward to it. Uh, mm. I like okay. the, the leadership there, which is a big part of the decision to go there, as well as the employee focus. It's mm. a company that strives to put the spotlight on empowering the workforce. So, Love it. Which resonates with me, obviously. So, Monday morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and <laughs> go after it again. Congratulations to you. That That's awesome to hear. Um, I love the enthusiasm in your voice for the next journey and the next chapters. And uh, I'd like to say I've, I've learned a lot from you today, and I, I appreciate you and, and you being on the show today, Garrett. Thank you so much for taking the time, and, and thank you for your service to our country and the leadership you've provided so far. Well, thanks for having me, Gary. It's been a pleasure.